time to read this last essay. Why are you reading essays for a manga podcast, Corey? They're in the back of the Gundam volume. Hey, April, Corey's a nerd. (laughs) What happened? He's reading the essay in the back of the Gundam book. I I finished reading them about ten minutes ago, so I guess that makes us both nerds. God damn it, why am I here for all these nerds? Helen. (laughs) I could be working on my Oticon panel, or I could be working on my cosplay. Like, you know, a different kind of nerd. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Manga in Your Ears. My name is Helen, and today I am taking control of the podcast. For <laughs> some reason. Like I did. Corey, I kind of think this is your podcast, though. This is our podcast. But you're the one who edits it. <laughs> it feels like it's yours. <laughs> we host it on your website. That's just because neither of you have a website with hosting capabilities. <laughs> anyway, we are all here today to talk about two rather unrelated series. Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin for our older title, since that has been completely released in the U.S., and then Spirit Circle, which is complete in Japan, but it is not completely released in print in the U.S., although it's complete on Crunchyroll, but it's not like the same kind of complete. <laughs> yeah, Crunchyroll manga is just a weird entity these days. Like, I don't know what's even going on with them these days. We'll get into Crunchyroll later. Yeah, yeah so many things about Crunchyroll. Mm-hmm. But Mobile Suit Gundam The Origin is sort of an adaptation of the very first Gundam series, um, Gundam 0079, which is what kicked off this now almost 40-year-long franchise of war, cool robots, and um, some other stuff that that that's basically a war and cool robots. <laughs> uh, the origin, which is what we're going to be calling it for this, series, um, for this episode, it's written and illustrated by Yoshikazu um, Yasuko, who's also done some of the work, I believe, um, with the video adaptations of it. Yasuhiko. And so, Yasuhiko, thank you. And so this adaptation starts, um, I think it starts pretty close to where the original Gundam TV series starts. I've seen the compilation movies, but not the original Gundam TV series, since everyone agrees it's fine to watch the compilation movies. Yeah, I've watched a couple episodes, the first couple episodes of the TV series, and from what I remember, this is basically the exact thing that happens with more and better details. Yeah, so the way Gundam 0079 starts off, and so the way Origin starts off, is that it's Universal Century 0079, hence the title, and we are eight months into this war between the Earth Federation, and some of the space colonies. Because in this year, Universal Century 0079, we have colonies in space. We have these giant tube-shaped colonies that float around in space, and a couple of them have decided that they really want to be independent, and so they uh, killed their previous leader, probably, put on a whole lot of Nazi-esque regalia, and started an independence fight. And some other colonies joined them, and some colonies sided with Earth. And then one entire colony got dropped on Australia. And so that's um, where the series starts. There's been eight months of fighting. Amrore is the son of a prominent scientist, and he lives on one of the colonies, which has just been attacked. 
his colony is associated more with the Earth Federation, and it's just been attacked by the forces of Xenon. And so he is evacuating along with a bunch of every, bunch of people. Everyone's trying to get off of the colony onto this brand new military ship that just happens to be docked there. And then Amuro finds a robot. He finds a giant robot, and he gets into the giant robot. So I guess he's a little like Shinji in that way. You know, they both got to giant robots because of their fathers and had deep-seated seated family issues Amuro that come up later less on. hesitant about getting into the robot. Yeah, well, I mean, Shinji, people make that joke, but Shinji got into the robot a lot. Like, he didn't get out of the robot sometimes, and that was a problem. <laughs> and a lot of things in Gundam The Origin are going to feel familiar to anime fans, since Gundam really defined the, like, realistic mecha mecha warfare in space genre as a whole, since it did come out in 1979. I definitely think that this manga is a little easier to follow than the movies. It, it rearranges a couple of events later on um, into different orders. It makes a little more sense. And I also really like the art in this a lot, since 0079 was drawn in 1979. It does not always look that great. The Gundam occasionally looks like it's put together from Legos. <laughs> but, um, Yasuhiko's art here looks quite nice. And so we were chatting before we started recording, and Corey and I have both seen bits and bobs of Gundam. I think we've determined that I've seen the most Gundam, which makes me the resident expert for, for the show. And April, I don't think you've seen any more than Corey or I have, right? No, I have seen Wing, G, um, a little bit of the newer one, I think, but uh, a couple of, whatever was on TV, basically, I've seen, but beyond that, not a whole lot. So this is the first time that I've really seen um, anything of origin, really. This is a first for me. Uh, you read, like, one volume, right? Yeah, I have the first volume here. Mm-hmm. So what do you think of that? Um, I like the art a lot. Um. I'm not a huge, huge mecha fan generally. I don't dislike it, but I'm not like a huge fan. Um, but I really liked uh, the art in this one. And I think at least for me, in terms of Gundam, I've been a little, uh, I don't know what the word, I wouldn't say intimidated by it, but it, it, it feels a little hard to get into just because there are so many series. And I think that Origin, at least, this first volume was a good way to sort of uh, start it out and follow everything if if you're a little newer to it, but yeah, Gundam has definitely been something that, that felt like it had a, uh, a barrier of entry for me, uh, besides what was on Toonami when we were kids and whatnot. So this is, this is, was a, I, I enjoyed the first volume. Yeah. Um, I'm a little weird for a Gundam fan because my introduction to the series was Gundam Build Fighters, which is completely <laughs> outside of like basically everything else. It's almost like a meta series celebrating Gundam. So I have a, bit of a weird entry point in but i've seen some things in um what's called the universal century timeline which is kind of like the core gundam a number of shows take place in this in this one year war period and then before and after it and then there's also a lot of shows which don't take place in it like gundam wing and g gundam are both mm. totally outside of universal century so i've seen a little more inside universal century than outside of it and i feel like this Reading this series actually made me more interested in more Gundam. Because I was like, oh, okay, there actually is a coherent, interesting story here. Like, yeah, I don't like Amuro that much. <laughs> but but I do like a lot of the other things that are going on here. <laughs> yeah, I think this first volume... I only got around to the first volume, but I have all 12, of course. Uh, and I think the first <laughs> volume uh, gets into like a lot of the 
plot that's going on. Uh, I mean, it's a heavy plot of like war and uh, fighting, like literally losing half of humanity um, at some point, and like that has to cover all of those things. So I don't, I don't think it got too deep into anyone besides uh, Amaro and a little bit of Fraubo, but. Uh, there is really no super likable characters yet because none of the characters really have uh, characterization yet. Yeah, Fraubo gets sidelined a little more later on. She's just kind of there to make sure Amuro, like puts on his clothes and eat, basically. And some of the um, later volumes that I've read um, get a little more into Char Asimbol, who is um, one of the big main villains of the series, I guess you would say. He feels a lot more like an anti-hero who does quite a few villainous things. And so it gets a lot into his backstory since he's a fan favorite character that wasn't really touched on in the original TV series, as far as I know. And I remember um, Ed Chavez, formerly of Vertical, said at one point that when they started putting out these releases in English, they like got all the cover approvals way in advance just so they had that taken care of. And, but then once the series started doing well in America, then the Japanese executives were like, oh, you should put Char on this cover. Everybody loves Char. But Char doesn't even appear in this volume. No, you should still put him in there. I remember that. Yeah, since these releases are really nice, they're large, hardback volumes. Um, I, th- I think that the, um, these omnibus editions um, also came out in Japan, and I think they are omnibuses. I think they're a little more than like the usual Tonkuban sizes. They've got some color pages in there, and they're really nice. But Ed was saying all over his Twitter account at the time, oh, this is going to be a really limited run. We're only going to do like 200, like 2,500 copies of each, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking at the time, I was a broke college student being like, oh, no, I won't be able to get this. But then it started selling well, and he just started quietly ordering reprints. <laughs> I mean, this isn't something that's going to be in print forever, I suspect. Um, partially because more, I can't... All right, a prank, I believe. Yeah, so I was going to say, you should start getting them. I have like really odd collection of volumes i've read through six or so and like i said i've seen the compilation movies i'm pretty sure i know how it ends but yeah if this sounds like it interests you go ahead and try to find some of these or you can be like me and pester your library into buying them for some reason my library decided to like buy volume five and nothing else so i was like yo can we have the first four please (laughs) very strange yeah, and this volume doesn't really even get into uh, the minutia of what's going on. Like, it just says there is the the Federation and Zeon. Uh, actually, I'm not even sure if they named them Zeon, but they they just say that there there are these warring factions, um, and uh, they don't really say why they're warring uh, specifically. I assume it's like resources or uh, space or racism, I don't know, the usual things that people worry about. Uh, it's kind of more like racism, since the people in the colonies, they are starting to believe that they are, like, superior to people on Earth because they've been raised in space. And then they throw in this weird thing later about new types, like people, I think it is people who come from the colonies who really do have, like, this enhanced psychic abilities, which comes yeah. in handy for Gundams. So it's kind of space racism, but, like, almost backwards. It's really weird. Zeon is like, I don't know how anybody likes them, frankly. I don't know how any fans like them. I didn't like them at all. And more of that stuff comes up when we get into Char's backstory, since um, he's from Zeon, so you just see how it all begins with him. Yeah, and I assume those will come in the, the later volumes. This this first volume is basically just like a an escape from an attack by Zeon, uh, and then it, it ends with them ending up in Earth. 
are on Earth. Uh, the colonists have returned to Earth. Some of them have not been to Earth at all because they were born in the colony. Um, it doesn't have the same kind of realism as in Planet Tease, where like if you were born in the colony and grew up in the colony, then you can't go to Earth because your body can't handle it, but that's alright. I don't think I'll jump <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah, it seems like they have some sort of artificial gravity in the colony, so I guess that's our hand wave right there. Yeah. I mean, we probably shouldn't be expecting too much from Gundam, because even though it's like a more realistic mecha series, since we see like some of the development woes that went to making the Gundams, you know, these are like serious fights, either there's no hand wavy magic. On the other hand, they've still figured out how to make like giant robots work. Not only that, but these are like the ideal fighting machine. So you do need that level of suspension of disbelief. Because like guys, mechas are never gonna be like your best fighting option. Until you're in a Gundam series. Uh <laughs> Yeah, and this is the uh, I don't know, like we specifically said, this is the third iteration of this story that I know of, I guess. Uh, the, or the, the, main, the main ones, I guess, if there are more. But the, the first one was, of course, the TV series, Double O and then they, they made the compilation movies, which uh, I believe the, the second movie... The first movie is basically TV footage, the second movie is like half TV footage, half new footage or something, and then the third movie is like almost all new footage. Uh, or I don't know if it's like the, the those exact percentages, but it is that sort of uh, it, gradually more new footage shows up, just because uh, uh, Tomino, the original creator of Gundam, like thought of new types halfway through the original series, so they kind of and it's kind that. of obvious he did yeah. too. Yeah, they inter- integrated that more into the movies, and even more so in the manga. Uh, I was only re- able to read this first, or like part of this first essay, but uh, they they did some other stuff with like this this gun cannon and gun tank robots, where they were the Gundam and those two were all created at the same time in the movies, but they made it uh, more staggered uh, creation gigs in the manga, just having to have it make more sense. Uh, so yeah, th- this. The book version is uh, what I've heard to be, like, the the best one, quote-unquote. Yeah, and now there's even some adaptations of the origin in OVAs, like I mentioned earlier. I think a lot of those are focusing on um, Char's backstory, since that is original to these manga, so that isn't in the TV series. Also, again, everybody loves Char, apparently. So those exist... Um, I think they've either made the last one or they've announced that the next one is going to be the last one, though. So they're not interested in that in adapting the whole series as like a new TV series, which is a bit of a shame since I'm sure it would look much better today. Because again, Lego Gundams not the seventies anymore. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, hopefully I'm not getting too far ahead. But I also liked um, reading the series because I like a lot of mecha series, and I was able to see influence on, the, on later mecha series. Like in one volume. Uh, have you guys ever seen um, Erica 7? Yes, but I don't remember much of it. Okay, so there's one arc where the main character of Erica 7, Renton, he just gets really mad and sort of like runs away from everybody for like, God, it felt like quite a few episodes. Amuro kind of does that in here as well. He just like takes the Gundam with him, buries it in the desert, and like runs away to like this small town in the desert. He kind of like half asses running away because he's back with them almost immediately. But when I saw those scenes, I was like, oh, this is where Eka 7 got that idea. You know, protagonist oh. gets sort of fed up and disillusioned and runs away. Just Renton, for all of his crybabiness, did it did a way better job of it. 
Renton actually committed to running away, you see. Amuro is kind of like, oh no, I am here in desert town, and there is a hot lady here, and she's actually probably my enemy, but I don't care, and I'm just going to be like this immature 16-year-old boy and make eyes at her while her husband's right there. (laughs) It's probably better than that, but like I said, I really don't like Amuro as a main character. Like, he's an understandably kind of crybaby, pissy-ish 16-year-old. I think he's about 16. Like, it makes sense. Like, there definitely are 16-year-olds like that. I just don't like reading about them. And he definitely mm-hmm. has a bit of a weird home life. Like, you see his mother later, and she's kind of got a few screws loose. His dad's definitely got some screws loose. He also appears later, I think. I don't think he was in his first volume. He was briefly, but mostly just telling Amaro to get to safety. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amaro, get out of the Gundam! They want the Gundam! <laughs> yeah. Get out of the Gundam! <laughs> no, Dad, you can't tell me what to do. I do kind of appreciate that a lot of the adults jackasses in the series though because you see white base the ship that they're flying it's crewed by almost complete amateurs just because that's how it shook out during the evacuation there just wasn't much experienced crew around and still alive after the attack on the colony and they just get dragged all around by the main military and all that jazz and you can see this real frustration with them and you kind of think it's a good thing that the white base doesn't just say screwed and break off otherwise your federation would be in bad shape honestly yeah yeah i mean like even uh bright noah the uh acting captain of that base is kind of a jerk but like he tries to uh do things logically while also being jerky uh he's a very stressed out <laughs> yeah like he's a what was it like lieutenant lieutenant lower sorry i don't remember it was not that high of a I have a rank, though, for uh, being acting captain of the ship. Yeah, it's literally one of those cases where, okay, you're the highest-ranking yeah. person still alive, therefore you are captain. Yeah, but he he was named the the captain as the previous captain was injured, and uh, he's like, well, your simulations were pretty good, so uh, have at it, buddy. This is war, son. We're going to do much. crazy things in war. Yeah. But yeah, without talking about the later volumes since... I own the later volumes. I don't think I've read them yet. Just since I was I was jumping on some good vertical sales on right stuff, trying to make sure I got everything. Since I haven't, you guys haven't, I feel like we've kind of reached the limit of what we can discuss so far without, you know, going off and reading some manga and then coming back to keep talking. Well, we don't got time for that. Eh, we don't have time for that. But it's like tomorrow, so I definitely don't. <laughs> I'm being serious, guys. <laughs> so, um... Clearly, I'm going to finish reading this at some point, since I own the volumes. And it sounds like both of you guys are game for reading this, especially since Corey already has all the volumes, because Corey's a nerd like that. Yeah, I would definitely um, read more of this. I remember when it was when Vertical first put it out. and Yeah, I, I've had this first volume uh, laying around for a while. I don't know if I got it directly from a vertical table like ASIN or something like that but I've had it for a number of years and the podcast gave me an excuse to finally pick it up off of my bookshelf um, and I would definitely keep reading more of this if I could get my hands on some of the other volumes. And to end on an anecdote that speaking of picking up books from con tables there's a story straight from the head's Twitter that at one point someone went up to their table at a convention looked at the manga I think the person walked away and came back later and bought all 12 volumes of it at once and put them all into one of those drawstring backpacks, <laughs> and the backpack just ripped oh, apart. this is a good story. <laughs> yeah. never, never bought all 12 at once. Uh, I believe only one has broken their bag doing so. Clearly that person needs a better bag. <laughs> yes. 
a drawstring bag, yeah, yeah like, <laughs> for those. They need a rolling suitcase to get these uh-huh. around. Uh-huh. Well, I remember I even did a post on the OASG for April Fools this year about ways you could work out with heavy manga volumes, and I definitely <laughs> included those in there. <laughs> okay, guys, we'll be back in a second to talk about our second title, Spirit Circle. Welcome back, everyone. And now we're talking about our sort of current series, Spirit Circle. Uh, Part of the reason we're talking about it is not just because I love it, but also because it's by Satoshi Mizukami. And we've previously covered one of his other titles, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer. And he has an anime out right now called Planet With. He's, like, concurrently drawing the manga for it and did, like, a thousand pages of storyboards for the anime. And if you are familiar with his work at all and you watch Planet Whip, you can tell, oh my god, this is so Mizukami. It is like pure distilled weirdness, which is what you like if you like Mizukami's works. The higher the weird, the more likely it's Mizukami. Yeah, Mm. honestly. Spirit Circle actually starts off kind of normal-seeming by comparison. We don't have any talking lizards in the first pages like um, Biscuit Hammer did. We don't have any giant cat necks like the first episode of Planet Whip does. We've just got this normal high school student, Futuya, who's got a bit of a weird birthmark on a cheek from one of the cheeks, but, you know, that happens. And you can see he goes, but, you know, that happens in manga, so he's not too concerned about it, you know, just kind of living his life. And so he's going to high school with his friends, and there's a new transfer student, you know, again, as you do in manga. And she seems, you know, kind of cute at first. And then Futuya realizes, oh, she's got a ghost with her. Okay, yeah, I'll say hi. Oh, no, she realized I said hi to the ghost. Oh, no, she can see the ghost, too. And so she calls him out, and then after school announces to him, basically, that the two of them are reincarnations of a whole bunch of people, because everyone in this universe just reincarnates over and over. And one of his reincarnations was a absolute bastard to her, and she has vowed to kill him. And so this starts Futuya's journey of learning about his seven past incarnations and figuring out what the heck he did to Kyoko ages past in his reincarnations. You figure out pretty quickly that the reincarnations don't necessarily occur in chronological order. So the story will then follow Futuya as he goes through all of these reincarnations. And the first volume, which is as much as um, April and Corey were able to get to this podcast for certain reasons involving Crunchyroll manga, um, it gets through his first two, no, his second and his third incarnations. So, keep track. The first one is the one that started off all this trouble. and But, you know, if we know what happens then, then, you know, there's no mystery in the story. So we start with Incarnations 2 and 3, um, which involve uh, some child sacrifices, some witches, life, life of atonement. Um, yeah, basically that, that's what you're getting into here. Yeah. So, um, what did you guys think about this? And you guys both are familiar with Mizukami, but read the manga specifically for this podcast. Um, I was only able to read about uh, three chapters or so, mostly because Crunchyroll manga is horrible now, so it's almost unreadable. Um, the three chapters that I did read, um, I really liked. 
Um, I feel like, so we've talked about uh, his other series, Lucifer and the Biscuit Hammer, and I feel like just in these three chapters that I've read, this might be a series that I like more than the other series. Um, it seems like it's got some interesting things going on, but again, I, I couldn't get that far into it because Crunchyroll manga is, is unreadable now. It was not like that before, and it is now. So, Yeah, there's some glitch, speci- as far as Justin and I could tell, specific to the first volume of Spirit Circle, where if the first chapter is 45 pages and you go to read on the second chapter, you have to click through 45 blank pages before chapter two starts, and it's just... I'm trying to figure out, can you even file a bug report for Crunchyroll manga, several Crunchyroll anymore? Because they just do not care. Their Twitter account isn't active anymore. I think they... Yeah, the Twitter account's been, like, dead for two or three years, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, it was like when Crunchyroll manga was still going strong, just took out the Twitter account, because I think they were merging all the brand management. And I'm pretty sure the lady who did most of the brand management for manga has moved on to something else, because I think that was Danica Harrod. Are they still actively adding series to Crunchyroll manga? Sort of, but they were, like, advertising that Planet With was going to be a simulpub, but they were, like, weeks, if not a full month behind on that. Uh, And I remember when Spirit Circle was coming out, there were a couple times when they were, like, a few months behind in releasing this as well, so I was like, where is this? We're down to the last few chapters. Give me (laughs) my dang manga. And I, I used to read uh, a couple manga on the iPad app, which actually worked. And then, uh, like, I opened it one day, and it was like, please log in. And I'm like, all right. So I did that, and it didn't work. I, like, uninstalled the app, reinstalled the app. And they're like, you can't, I can't even log out of the app anymore. It just does the thing that's like, please log in. And I'm like, I'm logged in, but I can't log out, so I don't know what to do. <laughs> You're trapped in some weird spirit circle. You yeah. I was going to say, out. it sounds like you're trapped in the video game court. Yeah. You can't play <laughs> yeah. But, uh, going back to spirit circle, I guess, I did really like this first volume. I thought it was super interesting the way that they are like gradually revealing uh, first that they have... Uh, past incarnations at all, and then what these past incarnations are, because the girl has obviously unlocked or remembered all of her incarnations, but the... the Actually, not all of them by the first volume. She's unlocked most of them, though. Uh, well, a lot of them, then. Uh, the boy has not. He, he he's unlocked two by the end of the, the first volume, uh, but the, the indication that I got from from the chapter is, is actually that uh, we saw the second one because there's a giant uh, Roman number Roman numeral 2 on it uh, uh-huh. and then also the first one because uh, he didn't have the mark and then he got burned with the mark but uh, Helen you are saying that's not correct uh, you guys saw 2 and 3 since the very first one oh, I, forget, I forget his name in the first incarnation um he doesn't see until the very end, you know, for traumatic mm, reasons. Of course, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, the, but yeah, you can you you can definitely keep track of where you are in the incarnation cycle because um, Gutierrez's birthmark was originally a burn given to him by one of Coco, um, yeah, Coco's past incarnations, and so it sort of appears, but it appears more and more faded in each um, um, sequential incarnation. Then, uh, and I'll point out here that the fact that they reincarnate isn't unusual. The implication is that just everybody reincarnates. Like, they actually run into a lot of their friends over and over again. What's weird is that they're able to remember it. Also, that Fugia can see spirits like that is also actually weird, so... Yeah, this is like a... 
this specific kind of Mizukami weird, uh, because, like, she just kind of outright attacks him, uh, after she finds out that he has this mark, uh, he's kind of crying inexplicably by the sight of her, uh, and, like, grossly wipes his snog on his hand, and she's grossed out by it, uh, but, like, those kind of weird, uh, plot choices, uh, reveal choices, and funny moments are like, from what little I've seen of Mizukami, are, are very indicative of him. Yeah, he kind of, like, I think he sort of embraces the weirdness that comes with everyday life. Like, you don't have the characters crying pretty, you have them, you know, crying snot, you know, crying ugly, all that jazz. Yeah. You'll have characters remarking on how weird something is, you know, like, oh, this isn't a manga. Well, actually, you guys aren't a manga, I'm sorry to tell you. <laughs> Stuff like that. I feel like Spirit Circle starts off less weird than Biscuit Hammer, and never quite gets as weird, but it has a lot more emotional catharsis by the end. And Biscuit Hammer has, like, a really wring-your-heart-out emotional end, and Spirit Circle, I was like, I, I reread the last chapter recently, since I, I wanted to check, I thought there might be a connection to Planet With, and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna start crying, I forgot about this. That was intense. <laughs> and it's impressive that this is complete and only six volumes. I mean, they are six jam-packed volumes, but it's really good. Also, I feel like Mizukami's art has improved a bit from Biscuit Hammer, since it's real rough in Biscuit Hammer. It's real rough in Italy. But it's gotten at least a bit more refined here. He's got a better idea of what actual human proportions look like. Yeah, I did notice it looks better in, uh, in Spirit Circle, and uh, I don't know if the anime... Uh, a planet with is any indication of his further growth as an artist, but yeah, it also looks better on planet with. Yeah, I mean, planet with obviously it's going to be you know his designs interpreted through a character designer and then animators. Yeah, the, his art style is also distinct enough because it's still kind of ugly in some ways. Um, and I'm not just talking about like the weird monsters in planet with; like everything is a little bit ugly. I feel like it's an art style that is kind of distinctive, and at this point, he's it's getting to a point where it doesn't seem like it's just. Mm, lack of experience, lack of talent shaping his style, but rather more like conscientious choices shaping his style. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so, um, since you guys haven't seen the rest of it, do you guys have any guesses for what some of their other incarnations might be? Like, just like, general time period, stuff like that? Since we've seen, like, we've seen, like, um, sort of like Central America medieval period, maybe, and then, like, European medieval period? Got any guesses for anything else? Hmm... I don't know. That's a good. That's a good. Hmm. I have no idea. And only six volumes. I'm a little surprised by that because I know uh, the series is out in print now too. And I know that this weekend that the bookstore I saw four already. So we're not too far away from having all the volumes out in print also, which would which is a great alternative to Crunchyroll if people are looking to read the series. <laughs> Go to your local bookstore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Seven Seas is putting it out in print. Um. We weren't able to check for the podcast, but I suspect they, those are different translations. Control just doesn't always list who their translator is for chapters. I but in the, really in the past, think they're different. Yeah, like in the past, like the way Control gets manga has been a separate agreement than how other places get their print volumes. It's been changing now, but at the time when Spirit Circle and Biscuit Hammer actually went online, I think they were two different translations. Mm. Well, and the quality of the CR release itself. 
I imagine the print volumes look different because the 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 quality of the digital release is a little uh, is a little rough on Crunchyroll. Just some of the uh, I don't know what you call it, not a, a letter, but maybe like the typesetting or just how some of the text is placed. It's a little rough, so I imagine the print books are, are different. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that much is obvious. Yeah, God, I need to buy the rest of the series. Just I love the series, guys. I love it so much. Oh. And I'm glad that with. <laughs> Planet Whip right now that there's more people than ever on Twitter yelling about Mizukami and trying to get other people to pick it up. Although I see a lot of people going, oh, that's interesting, it's on Crunchyroll, I'll read it someday, and then they don't. So, listeners, don't be that person. Actually, go. Go to Crunchyroll. Read this. Or better yet, get the print volume for that first volume, yeah. because apparently yeah, Crunchyroll is just... Yeah, or better yet, like, convince Crunchyroll to fix their wonky <laughs> manga Crunchyroll, this is what happens when you don't actually employ any software engineers. Oh, it, please, somebody send them something. Because, I mean, I, I was excited to uh, read the series. I know, I've known for a while that it's a favorite of Helen's, but it is just like, wow, so I have to flip through 45 pages to get to the beginning. And, um... Then sometimes when you start some of the chapters, they start on the last page. Like if you go to a random chapter, when it opens up, it just opens up on the last. Oh, were you page. using the OASG account there, or no, no? That was that was my own personal account. I have no, I don't know if like my roommate maybe read it, or I have no idea. But it was really random. So yeah, and the print was like, say, usually it leaves off at the last page you read. So if you're on yeah, a shared account, like weird. maybe your roommates read it. Who knows? Who knows? But the print volumes are cute. I mean, I, I, they're they're the sort of the small print size, so I plan to at least look at those or pick those up. So there are a couple of different options um, if you're interested in the series. Yeah, and I mean, after watching Planet With, after reading this, uh, I, w- I was interested in Biscuit Hammer from reading the couple chapters on Crunchyroll, but now I'm like definitely gonna like, try to pick them up before they go even more out of print. Apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's partially what got me back into Biscuit Hammer, since I had tried it before I tried Spirit Circle, and it just did not click with me at all. And I just tried Spirit Circle since it was on Crunchyroll, so I started reading it, and I got really into it. And it was only later I realized that the two of those were from the same mangaka. And it was when I saw other people saying that they liked both Spirit Circle and Biscuit Hammer that I gave Biscuit Hammer another try and then really got into it that time. I feel like this one might be a little more accessible, since um, Fujiya is... You know, a fairly happy kid. He's not in, like, some deep self-loathing state like the protagonist of Biscuit Hammer is to start with. Which I understand why he did it for a choice, but that one definitely made it harder for me to connect with the main character first. Yeah, I feel like this one might be his most accessible of the three works we've been talking about. He's done quite a few things in Japan, but almost nothing else has been... I mean, nothing else has been licensed over here, so... It'd be great if that changed. Someday... Come on, Seven Seas, I think you guys might listen to this podcast every now and then. <laughs> At least someone there might. I mean, I mean, definitely some of the folks have listened to the OESG podcast and um, called us out on, like, one or two sub um, mentions, I think. <laughs> That's what you get for subtweeting people in podcasts. <laughs> but it proves that we have listeners that way, Corey. <laughs> That's, that is very true. Okay, so I think I can't really say much else about Spirit Circle, about just horribly spoiling you two and any of our listeners who haven't tried out the series yet. So I'll just say that it's really fun to see the characters appear as similar but different selves each time, and also spotting which of their friends are appearing which time, and seeing how a lot of their relationships both change a little bit but largely stay the same throughout the course of history. That was a really fun touch. Um, 
And I think you two will really enjoy the rest of the series when you finish it. And maybe we'll be able to do a spoiler cast on it at some point once the last volume's out in the U.S. I hope so. We could just do like a double spoiler cast episode. We just talk about Biscuit Hammer and Spirit Circle at one time. I need to read that is a, That's a good idea. Maybe we well, can that just, one's like, do that for an episode. <laughs> so we're not like quadrupling our load. Yeah, yeah, we, that would have to be its own episode. So we're not talking about more manga in like, God knows how much time that would take us. And with that, I think we have come to the end of this episode. If you guys want to keep up with updates, suggest titles for us, etc., etc., you can find our Twitter account at Manga in Your Ears, and you can also find this podcast both on the Taiku website, on iTunes. Um, where else are we on, Corey? Since you're the one who uploads these things, uh, it's just TaikuPodcast.com and iTunes. But if anyone wants us anywhere else, tell me, and I will figure out how to do that. <laughs> Yeah, and you can also find me on the OASG podcast and writing for the OASG, taking a couple weeks off because, again, Otakon, I'm dying, Otakon. <laughs> Although I, my most recent re- review is probably the joint review of I just did a Fruits Basket, another the Fruits Basket sequel, which I did with Ooh. Crystalina. I think it probably went up last week or this week. And you guys are also busy on the internet, right? Sometimes. Uh, I'm on Twitter at PassionateK, and I write some manga reviews at Fangin Post. I'm trying to like create a more regular schedule, but they're time-consuming. Yeah, they are. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Manji Oran. I am. I say this every week, but I'm still alive, even if my tweets don't show that. But I'm still there, lurking, liking random things, and then disappearing. So <laughs> I'm still online. If you all want to follow me. I know she's alive because she enjoys the cat pictures I sent to our group chat. Every week. <laughs> there are so many good cats online, guys. Thanks, <laughs> And so with that, we will talk to you guys. Um, you guys will hear from us again in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya. Bye, guys. Thank you.